On a quiet street in Old City, Philadelphia, sits a bakery named Icy. That's spelled I-C-I. So our shop specialized in two things, uh, croissant pastries and macarons. It's owned by Michael Tan and his wife, Icy, who the store is named after. And they also meant something in, in French, too. And since we're doing croissants and macarons, and it, it, it's, it's somehow related. What does it mean in French? It means here now. Like here. Icy's pastries come in a whirlwind of flavors, like coffee mocha, cookies and cream, and lime and basil. So we, on a consistent base, we have 28 different flavors of macarons, and equally amount for the croissants, too. The bakery opened its doors on Arch Street in 2015. At the time, Michael and Icy were basically home bakers. They had never run a shop like this. OC seems to be a very nice place to start. Uh, especially the location that we have. When we started, we have very little experience, and we want a place that is um, not as busy. For matter of fact, a lot of people want to start business with a lot of traffic, but we are too afraid to uh, have a lot of traffic because we, we don't know what we're doing. Old City was not a high traffic area. This is not a place that, that you know, local people live in Philadelphia will come and, and spend a day or to, to eat in the restaurants. But over the past seven years, Old City has changed. The neighborhood has blossomed with new restaurants and stores, all nearby tourist attractions like the Liberty Bell or Penn's Landing. And local residents living in, in, in Philadelphia do come here for dinner or come here for the weekend, take their family. And just like the neighborhood, I see changed too. Michael and his wife got better at their craft. The bakery grew, hiring about seven people to bake and man the shop. They started to attract more customers. The uptick kept the store afloat, but Michael thinks it could do even better, that they could take on more customers in a more central spot. He wants to close his current location and move the bakery a few blocks away onto Market Street, closer to Philly attractions. The idea is we will still keep all the old customers that we have around the neighborhood, and they still know that we are here. But we also get um, more people that are visiting Philadelphia that walk past by, and they will, they will come into our shop. In 2020, Michael bought a property on Market Street to fix up. But then the pandemic happened. Michael closed down the current Icy shop for five days of the week. He lost six of his employees, leaving him and his wife to work 18-hour days. And his plan for a second location stalled. Michael's new property was just sitting there, a few blocks away, in need of major renovations. We have been working on it for a year already. And then not much has been done yet. We have to renovate the entire building. Um, we have to gut the entire building, take out the floorboards, relocate our bathrooms and tiles, everything. Now that the economic effects of the pandemic are starting to wear off, Michael hopes to finally finish the work and to open his new location in the summer of 2023. Because every day that it remains unopened, is costing his business money. Hopefully something actually shows up. Something, we have something to show. Otherwise, I don't want to wait for another year. Just by sitting here and paying insurance, 
right? paying property tax and everything. Um, so just having it empty, it costs more than having it occupied. I'm Nicole Curry, and this is Thriving, an audio documentary about our economic future together. I've been following 10 Philadelphians for a year to learn what it takes to make it in America. After a pandemic and so much social upheaval, what are the obstacles and opportunities we all face to economically thrive in the United States? Each person we're following tells us something different about our collective future. In this episode, older immigrants, 55 and up, can tell us a lot about our future, how to overcome initial barriers that immigrants face, such as language or discrimination. And overcoming this adversity is a lesson that people from all backgrounds can take note of as they navigate a country that promises economic opportunity but still falls short. I'm following Michael Tan. He's 46, so he doesn't perfectly fit the demographic group that we're seeking to explain here, but his experiences are instructive. He's approaching a decade of running his business from a location that he rents. Now that his sacrifices have created a sustainable business, he's ready to move the bakery to a permanent location that he owns. Michael and his family immigrated to New York from China in 1986 when he was just nine. They came looking for better opportunities. That's mainly what a lot of immigrants does. What do you mean by that? You know, you want a quality of life, you want an education for your, your, your children, um, you want to get them more possibility of what they want to do. And that's how a lot of people immigrate to the country. There was one rule when Michael Tan was growing up. They just want us to get a, a, a good education. And then once you have that education, you come out and you do whatever you want to do. Michael attended a college in New York. And after graduating in the late 90s, he was very determined to avoid the 9 to 5 route. A lot of people work very hard 9 to 5. And after work, they go home and still continue to work. Um, they never discredit that, um, that people with 9 to 5 are not working hard. They are work very, everyone's working very hard. It's just that. It's just not for me. Um, I want to create products. It's, I want to create something that, that's meaningful to me. After college, Michael created a point-of-sale software. It's a software that helps businesses accept payments and keep track of sales. It was successful. For 13 years, it was his family's main source of income. And then in 2014, Michael and his wife decided to try something new. Their inspiration started at home. I think from the, the moment is when my, um, when we creating baked goods for my son after he born, we making cakes for him for his birthday, uh, we making little desserts for his birthday. And what's your son's name? Henrik. Michael and his wife had no experience running a bakery, but they wanted to try something new. Even though his family warned him about the work ethic he'd need to make the bakery successful. Michael's father worked as a restaurant chef in New Jersey and New York, and Michael had several extended family members who ran a business. Many of them have been through that process, working in for business, and 
they just give us a, their, their warning. Like, this is what you're gonna go through. Then if you, if you think you could do it, then do it. Michael took heed of their warnings and went about his idea cautiously. He and his wife rented their place on Arch Street and started selling their croissants and macarons in 2015. For the first year, it's difficult for us. We create a lot of products that does not sell, but we continue to have it out. We have to throw it away, continue to make it, always have a full stock um, inventory of baked goods. At the end of the day, they were always left with unsold baked goods, but they managed to break even more than not. Michael was sure that the effort he put in would eventually grow their business. For example, Michael makes almost everything from scratch. Homemade peanut butter for the peanut butter croissant, house-made vanilla syrup for the vanilla latte. If you go to a Starbucks or other shops, we can put it in a pump and pump it out for you. Yeah. These are real vanilla beans. So we split the beans and we boil, we, we, uh, we heat up the syrup. So these are not, well, we, 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 we have, we He felt that his work ethic was paying off. There's a couple of factors uh, why a business survived or uh, fell within a couple of years. Um, I mean, the obvious one would be financially. And, and other, another part is your personal perseverance on how to or how, well, how much time you're willing to put into it. Um, there, there's always a trade-off. You want to spend more time in your business, day in, day out. You want to spend time on your personal life, your family. Um, there's always a trade-off. Michael's had to make a lot of trade-offs for the bakery in its seven years. He and Icy are still critical to the shop's day-to-day operations, along with a staff of six who work in the front and back of the house. Michael and his wife work 16-hour days, and they make the most of it. At this point, it's heavily in work and, and light on, um, on life. We do find entertainment in the work, too. That's good. So, you know, time, very often we are laughing in, you know, while we're working, chatting, um, just talking about mindless things, and um, you know, little things that, that make, make you happy, too. When I meet Michael in the fall of 2022, he's at a pivotal point in his career. He says Icy now has a strong customer base, a mix of tourists and local regulars. Although Michael is not comfortable sharing their sales, he says as long as the store breaks even and he can pay his bills at home, he's happy. But there's one big constraint on Icy and its ability to grow. The kitchen on Art Street is just too small for Michael's ambitions. Uh, our baking starts at 5 o'clock in the morning, and um, croissants are coming out around 7, 7.30, and then we open at 9 o'clock today. Early one morning, I visit Icy at baking time. Michael and his staff of two are preparing fresh croissants. Some are coming out of the oven right now. So it's not only the morning that we bake them that you see, but it starts three days ago. Where we, um, where we mix the dough and let it uh, ferment, both ferment and then fridge, and then we shape them, and then we bake them the next day. And the macarons, you start that at what time? The macarons, it, it could be any time when we have time to make them. So generally is after we bake the croissants, start the morning, and then we start doing the macarons. The macaron will take the entire day process. So 
It's an elaborate dance, and it takes longer because of the size of the kitchen. There's not enough space here for what Michael and his staff would like to produce. That's one reason Michael bought the new property on Market Street two years ago. Now, at the, the other property, we talked a bit about more space. Is the kitchen going to be this size at the other property? The kitchen will be more than this size. It will be double the, the size of the current kitchen. Well, mainly for productions. At the new location, they have two kitchens, one in the basement and one on the first floor. So how will that help? Well, we, we, have, we all have separate two, two different production teams. One will do macarons and the other team will do uh, pastries. IC's two main products have to be made at separate times to avoid cross-contamination. So we want to separate the croissants with gluten and the macarons are gluten-free. So we want to separate those two. In a small kitchen like this, it's impossible and also unsafe to make the two pastries in the same room, with flour sometimes flying in the air, pans touching croissants. Gluten could easily contaminate the gluten-free macarons. At the new location, there will be enough space to make both pastries at the same time with two different teams. And Michael thinks the new location will bring more foot traffic, since Market is a popular and central street. He's hoping the investment will pay off. Owning the new property is a bigger financial responsibility than renting, but Michael may be able to up production to cover and exceed the bigger expense. Michael says that over the past several years, as their bakery got more popular, They've had to turn down large catering orders because there wasn't enough space or time to produce that many goods. Well, and hopefully in less than a year, that won't be an issue anymore. It is a very big step to finally have a permanent location that you will remain in. Um, but it is an eventual course for any business. Any small business will want to settle down into a, per a permanent location and then they get their footings and uh, they can move on to other things. Um, it gives you stability, knowing that you put all the effort into it, every, uh, everything that you do to upgrade certain features in the, in the business. But this property that will afford Michael new and better opportunities has a long way to go. This is my second time walking in here since probably a month and a half, oh, wow. as we're waiting for the permit. Um, I come here more often when I was when we were working on the basement. But since the basement is done, we, we're waiting for other permits to get ready. In October of 2022, Michael shows me around the new property. It's pretty empty, no appliances, furniture, simply just open space, which means he has a lot of work to do. Well, to get this open, we, uh, we've been almost working on for two years on this. To, getting the, to, to get the permits, it, it takes a while for the city to approve the permit. Michael uh, has to get approved for permits for engineering so his contractors can resume work. And although he says the pandemic has already slowed progress down, Michael is learning that even now, it's still a waiting game, one that's costing him a lot of money. For two years, he's been paying rent at his other location, paying the mortgage here and paying for renovations. And so the funds that are paying for this renovation are coming from the shop. Yeah, everything's coming from the shop. <laughs> That's our sole income. So 
uh, we have to make it work. Mm -hmm. Regardless how many hours we have to work. Because you have to be optimistic about things going getting done. And, uh, and it, it is your concern to find a way to pay for it. Right? Yeah, that's true. If you think of it as a long-term investment, um, you may pay a little bit more now, but you'll probably all find it to be very cheap 10 years from now, five years from now. <laughs> right now, Michael still needs to gut the building, change the floor plan, and rewire the electrical system. While he's optimistic about getting it all done, He's also aware that when it comes to getting the shop up and running, time is of the essence. Uh, yeah, and then uh, uh, a lot of economists are saying that we're going to have a recession next year, right? So hopefully not too bad and the customers still come in and we could keep the train rolling. Like the plan. Yeah, so if nothing changes our business, we keep it up. If not, then we'll adjust to the, uh, the environment we have, just like what we did with the pandemic. The pandemic changed the American economy and we're not going back. This is Chris Wink, chief executive officer and co-founder of Technically. Chris has conducted a lot of research for this project and says it's no secret that many people like Michael Tan are figuring out how to bounce back from the pandemic. There are lessons from what took place, the traumas people experienced, the innovations they developed that will have ripple effects for generations to come. Again, Michael's not perfectly representative of the older immigrant group. He's just 46, but older immigrants in general have a lot to teach us about overcoming obstacles. We can't fully grasp pathways of prosperity unless we understand how people begin and where they can end up. And while some older immigrants are living in poverty, Others have found a way to succeed. We see both extremes in a category like older immigrants, because we have older immigrants who were stable, who got within an American system, benefited from economic prosperity, and thrived. Michael Tan has now started two successful businesses. First, his point-of-sale software company that provided a stable income for him and his family. And now, I see. It's been a lot of trial and error, from getting the recipes down to managing sales. That resiliency is now helping him manage the financial aftermath of a pandemic. Michael Tan helps us understand what the immigrant entrepreneur story can play out over time, what the immigration story can play out over time. Michael Tan's experience struggling, overcoming, navigating, has something to teach all of us. In January of 2023, I check in with Michael. It's been several months since we last spoke, and I'm excited to hear what progress he's made with the new IC location. It's supposed to open in about six months from now, in summer 2023. How is the other property coming along? Uh, it's coming along. Renovation is, is moving, um, but it's, it's, a, it's still a long process. We have a lot, a lot of work to do. I know last time we talked, you were hoping uh, by the end of the summer. We were hoping, but uh, it's still a few months ago. So construction thing is, it's hard to predict exactly what's holding it back. Despite over, Michael's over hopes, not much has changed. He's managed to gut the property, but progress is still delayed. 
This is Michael's first time working on a project like this. He depends a lot on what his contractors tell him, which often forces him into a waiting game. Another problem is a lot of um, construction material went up a lot too, so all the estimates go out the window. Michael made a budget for getting this property up and going, but with inflation and unexpected delays, the price for materials keeps going up. And remember, Michael and his wife are paying for all of this out of their own pocket. I check in with Michael again, a few months later in the spring. He's still hopeful that the second location will open by the summer, but summer comes and goes. By fall of 2023, the new location still isn't open. I have a sit down with Michael over coffee to just get a sense of where his head is at. It's not much have been changed. Uh, business has begun smoothly too. Uh, everything went pretty well. Um, no hiccups for the past couple of months. Um, we have some employee move on to other uh, jobs, new employee comes in. Um, everybody pick up pretty well. And what about the other location? The other location is still in progress. We built um, many electricals in, plumbings are in. Uh, we're waiting for a preliminary inspection. Then we could frame everything up and start um, the details. Over the summer, Michael did rewire the property. His next step is to work out the details, what type of flooring, which appliances, the color on the walls, things like that. But Michael does recognize that he is oh so close to the finish line. Little by little, some of the customers uh, realize that we are moving. They have asked, uh, they have seen us, uh, neighbors seen us uh, in the process of construction. And they came by and said, how's, how's everything? When he didn't open in the summer, Michael had already pushed back the timeline, hoping to open by the end of 2023. When we talk in the fall, he's had to accept he probably won't hit that deadline either. He says that early on, he learned that this process has a mind of its own. Well, many people think that running a, a business, you could see it from the beginning to end really quick. Like you know, watching a movie within two hours, you see the, you know, from how you start and how they end it, happily ever after. Um, many things in life, progress does not move as fast as you might think. Success does not come as fast as we might think. Um, it takes time. Success doesn't come as fast as they want. If they could hold on, they might see success. For now, Michael's being patient. And he has a fresh goal for when the new icy location will open, soon in 2024. For Thriving, I'm Nicole Curry. Thriving is brought to you by Technically and Row Home Productions with support from the William Penn Foundation, Pew Charitable Trust, and the Knight Foundation. Learn more about Thriving at technical.ly. Thriving's executive producer is Technically CEO Christopher Wink. The series is reported, produced, and hosted by me, Nicole Curry. Our story editor is Jen Kenny. Managing producer is Alex Lewis. Mix and sound design by John Myers. 
Special thanks to Technically Editors Christina Christofik, Samir Rao, and Julie Zeglin. This episode features music from Blue Dot Sessions and Philippe Bronstein. Our theme music is by Flat Mary Road. Thanks for listening. Row Home Productions. Ooh.